It's playoff hockey here on the Cross Ice Feed. I'm David Stearns, joined with Brian Schrems, here to talk about the 2012-2013 NHL playoffs. But real briefly, we're going to touch up on the draft order that was, well, pretty much handed out tonight. And the winners this year are Schrems. Colorado Avalanche. Well, they didn't win too much this year. That's why they're in this position. <laughs> and the Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay going 1-2-3. Nashville at 4, Carolina 5, Calgary at 6, Edmonton 7, Buffalo 8, New Jersey 9, Dallas 10, Philly 11, Phoenix 12, Winnipeg 13, and the Columbus Blue Jackets at 14. Not too shabby. Now, there's a lot of good... Uh, depth in this year's draft as we've been talking about the last couple of episodes here uh but uh you know it's just i'm excited to see what colorado does whether or not they pick up mckinnon or jones uh but we're going to save that for a later show we're going to talk more in depth about the draft but uh shrems are you surprised that colorado gets number one and then edmonton down at number seven i mean that's that's uh getting better for them but probably not so much in the draft but uh colorado florida and tampa up at the top three followed by nashville i like those top four and uh, they could really do some damage in this year's draft yeah, nashville lucked out i'm i'm surprised to see a couple of teams in there to be honest with you nashville got a a, a nice bit at four there we talked about a couple weeks ago, not too much going on after those top three. However, um, if they wanted to trade up to get into that position to get some scoring, they certainly could do, for, do so. The, the, the fourth spot isn't too terrible, um, but they're going to need to address scoring. Um, surprised to see Calgary as high as they are, to be honest with you. Um, and Columbus, probably. Columbus was a team that was on the verge of making the playoffs last week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, here they are picking in the top four teams. Well, not too bad. And, uh, of course, as we talked about last week, Detroit was in trouble, but they found a way to make it happen, and they are in the playoffs for the 22nd consecutive year. So we will talk more now about the playoffs. So, of course, stay tuned for a later episode on this year's 51st NHL entry draft in Newark, New Jersey. So stay tuned for that. Now let's talk some playoff hockey. 48 games came and went, a little over three months of a season, and here we are. We have our 16 teams ready to do battle. Let's start in the West. Now, we thought that eighth seed was going to be the Columbus Blue Jackets, but in fact, it turned out to be the faltering Minnesota Wild up against the President's Trophy-winning Chicago Blackhawks. Ray Emery is currently out, and so is David Boland. Schrems, does that have an impact on Chicago going in against Minnesota, who Chicago has taken a 2-0-1 record against? I don't think Chicago has anything to be worried about. They, they've proven this year that, that despite having a pretty much a tandem system that they're running in goal, it, it hasn't seemed to cause any controversy. Emery was probably one of the best goalies in the league, statistics-wise. Minnesota, uh, I don't think the offense is there. They, they put on a nice little run at the end of the season, but I think this one is pretty much set in stone. If Minnesota wins this series, it's going to be in seven games, and it's probably going to be one of the biggest upsets that we'll see, um, or that we've seen, probably in the past five or ten years. 
Well, we saw Chicago with that really hot start, uh, trying to reach a record in wins, but uh, kind of fell short there. But uh, thanks to the Colorado Avalanche, I am seeing a different team nowadays. Granted, yes, they've only lost seven in regulation, five in overtime, but uh, you take a look at who they've lost to in a shootout like that of the first uh, matchup between Minnesota and Chicago. That was Minnesota that took that game uh, in the shootout 3-2. to two. And then later on, it was a two-goal game midway through in, in about March in March 5th to be exact. And then a one nothing win by Chicago on April 9th, not too long ago. I'm starting to see things turn in a different direction that Minnesota may have Chicago's number. And you're right, this game, or this series will go to seven games. I'm going to pick this one as the biggest upset in the playoffs right off the bat. Wow. I'm going to say Minnesota takes it in seven games. I think that they're starting to figure out how to click on all cylinders. I want to say that their goaltending, was it's going to – tighten up here. I mean, it was proof enough when they only lost one nothing the last time against Chicago. I think they're pretty well attuned to what the Chicago offense can bring at them. I mean, with Patty Kane, Pat Sharp, and uh, Jonathan Taves, and, uh, you know, Marion Hosa hit and miss, he is, but uh, when he hits, he hits it well on the yeah. scoreboard. But um, I'm, I'm going to actually side with Minnesota on this one in seven games, but I don't think they're going to go much further than the first round. I want to call this one the big upset. I'm... I'm... I'm glad to see that Minnesota finally lived up to their expectation this season. We we talked before the season, you and I, trying to figure out who's going to win the Stanley Cup. And, and Minnesota, they never crossed our minds, just given shortened season, trying to come across a lot of chemistry in that short of time is not the easiest thing to do in the world, especially mm -hmm. when you're coming in with a completely different roster um, and, and some, some egos, I guess. But... Um, Danny Heatley never got going this season like he should have. There, there was a there's, there's a lot of chatter about a possible buyout there. Mm -hmm. um, he certainly hasn't lived up to expectations. But some of the most underrated players in the league play on Minnesota. Yeah. Their goaltender Nicholas Backstrom, if he can stay healthy, is probably one of the most underrated goaltenders in the league. Um, Miko Koivu is probably one of the most underrated centers in the league. The guy is, if he can stay healthy again, mm -hmm. a point per game. Um, it's 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 a tough call. I mean, they they really have to pull it all together. Palmonville, I heard, is coming back. He's going to be um, suiting up for game one. He should be okay. Um, Chicago's still missing Patrick Sharp. Mm -hmm. He entered the game last time. I didn't see the last Chicago game, but I know he was on the mend, has been on the mend for the past several months. So there's a, there's a lot of things that might play into this. I don't know. That's just a bold prediction. Well, you know, when you take a look at the stack category, Zach Parise and Ryan Sutter, their recent acquisitions last offseason have really turned it on for these guys, I mean, in their own right, because, I mean, Parise leading the team in goals and Sutter leading the team in assists, I mean, they're on both sides of the ice here. They're offense, defense, they're contributing. Uh, Meku Koivu uh, played every game this season, and he's played it well. He's just one point behind Parise, so you got your top two up there. And then Devin Setaguchi. Oh, man, he's been back and forth, you know, over the past few years. Uh, I think this is his time to shine if he, if there ever was a time for Devin Setaguchi to shine. And then, of course, as you indicated, Danny Heatley, too, you know, uh, <laughs> an abysmal minus 12. So Oof. I guess when he's out on the ice uh, with Kyler Brodziak, I mean, <laughs> you know what to expect. So... I think that this would be a great turnaround point for this team. They've been really kind of on the 
cooling down side lately. So uh, it was enough to hold on to stay in the playoff spotlight here to get that eighth seed. So, you know, they talk about teams getting hot at the right time. There is a right time to get cold, too, and uh, hopefully it's not too late to get warm and then hit the spark. That's why I'm thinking this one will take seven games, and I think that the Minnesota Wild will give us our big upset of this year's playoffs. I'm going to hold you to that one. I'd, I'd, I'm going to stick with Chicago on this one, not because they've been winning all season, but because I, I still think there's something missing there in, in Minnesota. Um, the key offensive piece, I guess. And uh, certainly Heatley has been a disappointment. Sadaguchi has been um, too hot and cold for my liking. Okay. So I say they uh, anticipated exits, and then the off season they go out and acquire the offense that they need to. Okay. How many games? I say six or seven. Six or seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll chalk it down. All right. Moving on to our next matchup here. In the West, it's the Anaheim Ducks and the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit looking like they were going to miss the postseason for the first time in almost two uh, two decades, really. Uh, yeah. So now we got the <laughs> the ever-so-hot and surprising Anaheim Ducks with Bruce Boudreaux at the helm, and then Detroit, the ever-so-enigmatic Detroit. I'll give them credit for being 2-1-0 against the Ducks this year, but uh, aside from... One blowout, and then followed by a tighter game after that. They haven't seen each other in quite some time now. We're at the end of April, and it, they're going to be starting things up here with May going into the first round. They haven't seen each other in a while, and Detroit has kind of found a little bit of life inside of that aging yet retiring uh, <laughs> lineup. I, I don't know how to phrase it. I mean, without Holmstrom and without Lidstrom, it's, it's a bit of a different team. But do they have it to move on? I, I don't think you're going to see Detroit move on, which is a good wake-up call for them. Coming into this season, they knew they were going to be without Lidstrom, and I don't think anybody could have predicted it was going to be this much of a swing in terms of production. Their defense is, their defense is, is a, a serious place for improvement. You lose Rafalski over the past couple of years. You lose Lidstrom this year. Um, the replacements that they brought in to try and fill that void. Brandon Smith was supposed to be a young gun who was supposed to step up. He certainly hasn't done so. Ian White hasn't shown that he's he's capable of handling that role. Nicholas Conwall, yeah, he's 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 good on the back end for offense, but um, they're going to need somebody a little bit more offensive-minded. So um, we know the top line up front, Datsuk, Setterberg, and maybe Mule. Uh, other than that, though, it's it's kind of hit and miss. They, they don't have that that depth scoring like they used to. But on the on the opposite side of things, I don't have I didn't have Anaheim even making the playoffs this year, <laughs> and they've been a nice surprise. I'm, I'm glad to see Jonas Hiller back to where he was a couple years ago. He dealt with that whole vertigo issue, and. Uh, He's got a little bit of competition on his backside now with with uh, Mr. Fast yeah. emerging as a pretty good goaltender. So, um, I don't know. Their age, I guess, kind of bothered me a little bit coming into this season. They got Koivu. They have uh, um, Solani still in probably his last season. I don't think you'll see him make another full season run at it. But 
I don't know. Detroit's going to have a, a pretty tough hill to climb. Howard hasn't been his best this year, and I, I think that's where they're going to come down to, um, or, or, or this matchup will come down to a win or a loss. And I think I think Anaheim takes him out for two. How much more can Howard do for this team? They're fifth in the league in goals against average. I I, I, I do say that the defense needs to step it up a bit because they're allowing more shots than they are used to, but. Uh, I, I, I honestly think that Howard obviously got that big signing for six years for a reason, but uh, you know sharing sharing the net with two other keepers. I mean, uh, Mrazek only saw two games and split one one uh, with the two goals against average. But uh, Gustafson, Jonas Gustafson, uh, the uh, the monster sitting right behind Howard is. Uh, I guess he can be dependable at times, but. Uh, the goals against average, thankfully, are below three, so that's good for all three goaltenders. I think Howard's going to be fine, and I think Howard is as good as he possibly can be. Five shutouts this season, tied with um, Pecorine from Nashville for number one in the league. I'm I'm going to give him a little bit more credit than you did, my friend. Uh, it's just that when it comes down to overtime games, uh, he's not the best. Uh, we had uh, you know seven overtime losses at, at his hands, and then. You know, 13 losses underneath his belt. I mean, if you put the loss and the overtime losses together, he's a 500 goaltender because um, <laughs> he's got 21 wins underneath his belt. And I'm a numbers guy. And just looking at the numbers, if you took away the goals against average and the save percentage, he looks like a mediocre goaltender. But that save percentage and the goals against average really stand out to me. And I actually think that the Detroit Red Wings can take this series away from Anaheim. But I don't think they'll have it. I think that it will be the Anaheim Ducks that will shore it up. I mean, you've got better depth on Anaheim. Yes, they're a little bit aged, but, you know, you do have production out of uh, Tamo Solani and Saku Koivu. I'm going to – I'm actually going to say that um, that Anaheim takes this one in five games, and yeah. they're going to be very low-scoring games. Uh, so, And I think that uh, you're going to see Getzloff and Perry and Ryan – uh, just tear it up out there, and some lovely help on the back end on uh, you, you know your, your secondary scoring from your your uh, I don't know what to call them the um, the seasoned crew uh, <laughs> the the old webbed feet of Solani and Koivu will do their magic and uh, ensure that these mo these guys move on to the next round. It's good it's good to have those guys in the locker room, someone who's been there and, and done what they've they've done, and you know Anaheim they do have some young budding talent on their team right now. Um, obviously, Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff are... Bobby uh, Ryan, yeah. <laughs> good players. There's Bobby Ryan as well. But, you know, you have somebody like Cogliano. You have someone like, I don't know, Paul Mary. Paul yeah. Mary's a, a name that we've thrown around quite a bit as of late. I mean, you have the you have the grinders on the team. Mm -hmm. You have Sheldon Sorey on the back end, who's, <laughs> who's going to make a good chunk of money over the next couple of years. It's, 35 plus years of age. Um, Francois Beauchemin came out this year and, and, and put up some incre impressive numbers for Francois Beauchemin. Yeah, there's still some yeah. names on this team that uh, date back to the uh, last time these guys won the cup back in 07. So, uh, especially like Beauchemin, you know, he's he, he's becoming a veteran leader himself. It's 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 hard to say. I mean, on paper, I'd say these teams are evenly matched. Mm -hmm. But Anaheim has shown us a lot more this season, and and I think that the the edge is going to go to them. And, you know, maybe maybe Howard's numbers are a little deceiving. Perhaps it was his lack of defense this year that put him in that spot. 
you know, maybe I'll retract that statement and say, you know, Howard maybe did have a good season and, and a deceiving season, to say the least. Well, where, where do you want to go in number of games on this one? I'm going to stick with six. You're going to stick with six. Okay. All right. And uh, to, to give justice over to Fath and Hiller that have split the season a lot better numbers than uh, Howard when you look at the win-loss and overtime loss columns. <laughs> so moving on to our next matchup. And this one is, um, well, it looks convincing on paper, but uh, Vancouver and San Jose, the Sharks have had the Vancouver Canucks number this year. And 59 points to finish the season up at the top there, Vancouver, with San Jose at 57 points. Uh, this one, uh, this one might be too close to call. I mean, Vancouver is starving for a cup. Yeah, I I, I like the goaltending competitiveness of these two teams. Niemi has set himself a really really good season. Um, they got I kind of got flat there after their their torrid start. And you know, I was watching a piece on TSM the other day, and Luongo and Schneider. They seem to understand what needs to be done. I don't think there's a controversy there. Whoever is playing well is going to play. And the thing is, whoever you put in net is going to get the job done. They're both good goaltenders. I don't necessarily... I haven't seen the scoring depth from the Canucks like I have seen in the past. And, and similar to the Canucks are the Sharks. You are... Two years ago, you you had an abundance of scoring to make you think that, you know, this is a Sharks year. And and I I think that at least one or two analysts from every network does this every year, saying this is the year for the Sharks. This this has to be it. They have the goaltending, they have the the depth in scoring, and and then something just falters. And this year, the the depth that should have been there scoring-wise isn't necessarily there. Yeah, and the other thing, too, uh, to also to consider here, as far as the numbers, the numbers speak to me in a lot of ways. I'll tell you that right now. San Jose looks like they have a solid edge against the Vancouver Canucks in a few categories, except for uh, the fact that Vancouver is sixth, 19th in the league in goals per game. San Jose is 24th in the league in goals per game. But the other categories really stand out to me. Sixth in goals against average, or goals against, and then power play, they are seventh. Penalty kill, they are sixth. Vancouver, it's a different story. Their power play is 22nd, and Oof. their penalty kill is eighth. We'll give them credit for that, but their goals against is about ninth. So, I mean, you've got some mix and matching going on here with these categories, and I'm I'm actually thinking that San Jose will definitely advance on here. I'm sorry, Vancouver. I you know I in a couple of brackets I have set up right now, yes, I do brackets not only for March Madness but for the NHL playoffs. I do have Vancouver going uh, pretty far. As a matter of fact, I have one of the brackets with them winning. But in reality, I don't think they can do it. Uh, I really don't. I have no faith in this team. The Corey Schneider and uh, Roberto Luongo controversy, I think you were talking about the piece that was a satire on who was number one and thing one, thing two. They were wearing the shirts. Uh <laughs> I don't know if that's the same piece you were watching, but, um, you know, that, that kind of set a tone for this team this year, and I, I don't think that they're as comfortable as they were uh, likened to two years ago, and I'm, I, that team needs a little bit of a, not an overhaul, but a, 
I guess they need a couple more pieces to the puzzle and uh, maybe reform their identity in a way. Um, I, I really, I really don't think they have it this year. I'm not, I'm not feeling it from Vancouver. No, and and I think that's the, the general consensus. You have to think though, with the team that they've had and and the success that they've had and falling just short a couple of years ago, it's something that you have to you have to think if if you're going to make a move, it needs to be made now. You can't run with this team for the next three or four years and then look back and be like, oh, you know what. Hindsight 2020, we should have made this move, this move, this move. You have two very good goaltenders, one of which has been on the trading block for about two years now. It's time to make that move. You you have to go out, acquire some depth. I, I like the Roy signing that they made. They got him for a very good price. I don't know. There there's there, there's something missing from that team. Yeah, and I can't. I, I honestly cannot say what it is. Well, it's scoring. I don't have that answer. It, it, it's goal scoring for one. When uh, when uh, Burroughs is leading your team with 13 goals, and you're up against the Sharks, where Logan Couture has 21 goals leading his team, uh, yeah. that's that's that speaks volumes here. And uh, you know, it's it's not the names that you would expect from San Jose. You know, um, like a. Like a Patrick Marlowe, I mean, he he's up there. I mean, he's close. Pavelski, he's up there. He's close as well. But you know, when you got Logan Couture leading the way, uh, you, you've got some really good depth, and you got some great veteran leadership. You got Dan Boyle, who will hopefully not score on his own net this year. But um, across the board, I'm I'm going to give all the credit here to San Jose, and I'm going to say this one gets um, decided in six. What do you say, Shrems? Uh, I'll take San Jose in six as well. All right. Okay, so pretty sure of that one. So uh, that way, Antti Niemi will um, bask in glory again. It's been a while. All right, moving on to our next one. It's the final one in the West, and this one I think is the most enigmatic one, and it's so tough to call. These two teams, man, we saw them going deep. I mean, L.A., obviously, the defending Stanley Cup champions, and St. Louis, a favorite for the Stanley Cup this year. What do we do with these two teams? I mean, they are like literally neck and neck, but the Kings, the Kings, they've blown out St. Louis. Uh, let's see, the first time four to one, then the next time six to four in an unsightly uh, barn burner, and uh, LA four to two back on March 28th. What do we think, Shrams? My, my concern was coming into this whole thing, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with St. Louis and have been since the season's that was my that was my pick for the Stanley Cup this year, and the one team that I didn't want them to see in the <laughs> first round was Los Angeles because Los Angeles, you know, brought me that glory last year. It was a it was a cute pick two summers ago, and it, and it came to fruition. So I, I like what LA put out, and once again, LA is getting hot at the right time, and where this matchup is going to take a turn in LA's favor is goaltending. The goaltending for St. Louis just has not been there this year. It was there last year. Elliott and Halak split time. They did wonderful. The, the two were incredible last year. And they won the President's Trophy, got what they needed to, and, and got bounced early. So this year it, it's been it's been quite clear that the St. Louis Blues have, have some issues to address between the pipes. They're forwards. I, I think you have one of the one of the best grouping of young talent in the entire league. 
in St. Louis, mm-hmm. both both forward and defense. But I don't know if Yarrow Halak is the answer, and then I don't know. Do you jump on a an opportunity in the off season to pick up someone like Luongo or someone like Miller and and fortify your your goaltender? But I don't know. As, as much as it hurts me to say this, I think I think LA is going to take this one. Well, you know, it, I'm going to draw your attention to one name that stands out to me from St. Louis, and that is Chris Stewart. Uh, if we were to actually play out a full season here, I mean, man, he would be close to 40 goals. Um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, <laughs> just standing out overall as a solid player, a solid, solid right wing. I mean, this guy at six foot two, 231 pounds, he is pushing his way around and finding the back of the net. I like what I see out of him. And going down the rest of the roster, you've got the depth that. A Stanley Cup contender needs. They are likened to L.A. from last year, but like you said, Yarrow Halak. Uh, I think St. Louis drank the Kool Aid when they saw saw how hot he was, and uh, decided we need this guy. And then dealt away Ben Bishop also. And and you know the the last couple of years for St. Louis has been kind of a goaltending enigma. You know the names that have run through the system like Chris Chris Mason as well. Um, you really got to think. Can you be confident in this goaltender with this much firepower up front with capabilities of the firepower up front? I mean, you have a bunch of playmakers. When you look at the assists across the board, you're talking all the way down double digits to Vladimir Sabotka, and that's about, what, about 12 deep on this team? That's pretty that's, impressive. That's, I, I'm, I'm going to run through the list here of, of players that are offensively skilled and can chip in, not just in the hit department or the fighting department. Uh, Andy McDonald, David Back, TJ Oshie, hopefully he's healthy and ready to go. David Parent, Alex Steen, a surprise, having a nice season, like you said, Chris Stewart. Patrick Bergland, Vladimir Tarasenko, who cooled off, but has the, has the ability to play well. Vladimir Sabotka, Jaden Schwartz is playing well. Chris Porter is playing well. Um, on the back end, Bo Meester, Petrangelo, um, maybe even Jackson can step up. I'm not going to say much about Jordan Leopold. He can, he can speak for himself. He decides whether or not he shows up. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk. I mean, these are these are big names that you want to hold on to for mm-hmm. a long, long time. And uh, you know, it's it's all it's all good when you have three lines that can put the puck in the net. But the problem is, Yarrow Halak is is not playing up to where he should. If he was playing in, in let's say, uh, not uh, goaltender here, holy smokes, Los Angeles, help me, help me, help me. Jonathan Bernier? John, no, not Bernier. What? Uh, Jonathan Quick. Oh, sorry. She's not quick Drew enough, apparently. <laughs> if if Yarrow is is playing to Quick's level at this uh-huh. point in time, this team would be unstoppable. But, but does, the, uh, the faltering is going to come from the back end and the goaltending. And I don't know. They're gonna they're gonna have to figure it out because last year when Halak didn't have it, Elliot did. Yeah. And when Elliot didn't have it, Halak did. And if they can find that somewhere here in the first couple rounds, and they can just blow right, blow right through, it's it's gonna be a tough team to beat. But that that one's on goaltending. And I don't know. I I can't say St. Louis has what it takes right now. 
do you take a chance and put in Jake Allen? I mean, it... uh, Jake Allen's nice, but I don't. I don't think I, the last time we saw a no-name goaltender, well, in a couple of years, Anthony Niemi. Nobody knew who Niemi was until he pulled on my Stanley Cup in Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think Jake Allen is Anthony Niemi. Okay. Not yet. So, Shrems, who's got this series and in how many games? Going, I'm going to say seven, and it goes to Los Angeles in seven. L.A. in seven. All right, well, I'm going to say L.A. in six. One game fewer. So there's your West. And you and I, um, we're on the same page except for that, uh, I'm calling that big upset. So I'm going st- to stick with that Minnesota upset. <laughs> uh, stranger things have happened. So, all Get right. Yeah. Let's try the East out, huh? This one, wanna... let's go backwards. Really? You don't want to knock out the easy one? No, let's not knock out it. Do you really think it's that easy? Okay. The Islanders? All right, fine. We'll start from the top and we'll work our way bottom. Uh, Pittsburgh we'll... in five. Next. <laughs> uh, Crosby, will he be back in time? I don't think he needs to be. <laughs> Your confidence, sir, is um, very admirable. Uh, do, you now, think, do you think a better team could have been in there instead of the Islanders? Uh, I'm 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 all on board with Winnipeg. To be honest with you, uh, I, I'd like, I, and, and mainly because of the home ice advantage that Winnipeg has in their home barn. That that place is just an incredible place to play hockey. Now. And it, in the way that we saw Winnipeg finish the season, um, they had the hottest line that wasn't being talked about in Evander Kane in um, Ryan Little yes. and the third one. The third one's escaping me right now. Uh, Blake um, Wheeler? Blake Wheeler. There you have it. Um, those three were the hottest uh, were the hottest line in the NHL that nobody was talking about. Yep. Um, the only problem is, and maybe the only line that they have, and uh, I think scoring depth is going to be something that's going to be addressed in the offseason. Goaltending, yeah, goaltending can hold up. Defense is surprisingly sound. Yeah. But um, I think offense is the name of the game that kept Winnipeg out. I can't say that the Islanders have the offense that are going to go and match up against Pittsburgh well. You don't think Brad Boys can do it? <sighs> you know, <laughs> I, I I like the story, but it, it seems very reminiscent of the one that got them in a couple years ago against Buffalo where, they, where Wade Dukowitz won it on the last... Oh, yeah. Shot at the, the the game there in the shootout that propelled them into the playoffs, and then Buffalo just manhandled them. And I think that I think that series went four one. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with much the same. I don't like Flurry as a playoff goalie. So after the first round, we'll we'll talk a little bit of a different story. But perhaps the offense is good enough to get them by on this one. So you're gonna totally discredit Tavares and Molson and Grabner and Bailey and just say that ah they got nothing going for them. And you know what? I'm gonna do the same thing too. I'm gonna to actually say that Pittsburgh sweeps. Okay. Yeah, right. They they I like how scrappy they are. I uh-huh. like the young upstart feel of that team, but I don't think they have the veteran presence yeah. to to pull off the big one. I, I would have liked to have seen a better veteran presence in there than Brad Boyce. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. I mean, yeah, there's really not much more I can talk about this year. Uh, I'll be excited to see Jerome McGinley and uh, Neil and Malkin, and uh, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. It will uh, be fun to watch. 
All right, Montreal and Ottawa. We have a Canadian matchup here. This one ought to be fun. Everybody was anticipating a Toronto-Montreal matchup, but instead we'll have to just make do with this as, well, Ottawa just could not leapfrog Toronto. And Montreal taking the Northeast, and uh, Boston, oh, fell just a point short. So let's see. This one, you know, Montreal, you, you are totally on the Montreal bandwagon. You last year were not convinced that Ottawa was a playoff contender. Does the same ring true this year? I, I'm not on board with Ottawa, and and I don't know if I ever will be. I, I, I get they have the full tending. I get that you have some younger players in there. I don't know. I just I just can't buy into this whole Ottawa Senators thing. You're not going to have Spezza, the pivot point of that team. Yeah. They got Carlson back, which is huge for him. Yeah. He came back the other night and put two assists up on the board, which was deeply missed this season for sure. Um, I'm glad to see him back, but Spezza, Spezza is the pivot point of that team. You have a good, you have a good young core out there, but I'm I'm not a Mahalik believer. What he did a couple of years ago, that was that was nice, but I, I, I'm, I'm not on board with him. Um, I like this young guy, uh, Silverberg. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Turris is finally catching his stride. It, it took <laughs> a couple of years and a couple of teams to find out where he needs to be in this league, and he's there. But yeah. I don't know. It's it's not there. Montreal has has a Vesna caliber goaltender. They have two, maybe three lines of scoring. They have in a rock-solid defense, and um, I don't know. They're, they're going to be a team that people don't really expect to go very far, given that you have Pittsburgh and you have Boston mm-hmm. in that division. But I, I think they're going to surprise. I think they're going to turn some heads. So with the addition of Conacher, you don't, uh, you don't think now? Where where you tell me this, Stern? Where was Conacher before this season? Where was he before the season? Oh, well, he was with Canisius College. Right. Okay. That's it. Wait. Let, let me let me let me further my argument here. Conacher, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock his skills. He's had a good season. Where did he start this season? What two linemates did he have? Well, yeah, he <laughs> yeah, um, being you up there with me. You yeah. put me with Marty St. Louis and Vinny Latavier. I'm going to do okay myself. Yeah, well, you know, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So you think it was kind of a red herring? You think it was just kind of a, he he was put with the right guys, and of course, you know, Marty St. Louis and Vinny LeCavier is going to make him look fantastic. Well, he is kind of hurt, too. Well, here's the thing. If... Well, he's not uh, I beg your pardon. If... Ben Bishop doesn't turn out to be what he is expected to be. And Conacher completely blows up and is a 70-point player for the next five seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Ottawa wins this, this trade fair and square. Um, I don't know if Ben Bishop is starting material right now. It seems like he has a lot of growing up to do. But Ottawa had that at their disposal. They had a goaltender um, that they don't really need. 
and they have an even better one than Robin Lehner waiting in the wings to take over the starting position at some point. I I would have, if I were Ottawa, I would have done the same thing. I would have went out and got a, a player like Conacher, taking a chance on him. If he doesn't pan out, well, what were you going to do with Bishop? Yeah. They probably went back down to the minors anyway. So I need a couple more seasons on Conacher to completely buy into it. But um, Ottawa wins that trade. And I'm glad he's there. He's got a lot of players that he can he can really grow with. In in Florida, you have St. Louis, who's going to be out in a couple of years. Le Cavier, who's probably going to be out in a couple of years. You can't just be thrown into a, a number one winger slot. But if you have young talent around you that you can play with for a couple of years, I, I think it's going to work out well for him. Will it be the deal breaker this year? No, it won't. I'm not buying it. So I'm on board with Montreal. How many games? Five. Montreal in five. Um, okay, I'm going to... I don't know if I, 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 you know, I'm on the fence with this one for a few different reasons. Um, Anderson's back, Carlson's back. I'm eh. Ottawa in seven. This one's gonna take a while. Oh. Yeah, it's gonna take a while. Let's let's just move on. I'm I'm not gonna provide much more than that. I mean, you you've you've That's talked fair. enough analysis out of it and. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go with it. Um, sometimes your gut speaks louder than your brain, and mm-hmm. it's usually calling for beer. Next matchup: Washington, New York Rangers. Uh, I I know where I'm going with this one, and I'm just gonna come out right and say it. I don't care how hot the Capitals get. Eventually, they have to cool off. They got hot at the wrong time, I think, and I think this is gonna be a monumental time for the New York Rangers to kind of get revenge. I mean, just not, well, not revenge, but I mean, just uh, try to, they're going to save face. And they're going to go ahead and take care of business this time. My my concern with the Capitals is that they're taking a very familiar path that the LA Kings took last year. Mm -hmm. They didn't really make too much noise, slid kind of into the playoffs on their back heels last year and just completely destroyed everything in sight. Now, I don't think Washington is that team, but you're finally seeing Braden Holtby where he should be playing, where we saw Braden Holtby last year um, leaving the NHL season as they got ejected out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in this area, you heard it day in, day out on the sports newscast. You know, hope he is the future of this team. If he can play like he did last year um, in the playoffs, he's going to be a very dangerous team. And who knows, maybe he, he turns into that, that playoff goaltender again. I, I don't think I saw a goaltending performance like that in a losing effort since, I don't know, was it Jaguar who got the... Yeah, back um, in 2003. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Over, over, I mean, Anaheim lost. Yep. But Jaguar got all the due in the world, which he should have. All the credit that was due to him came to him. And Hopi, Hopi could be that goaltender. I, I like the offense. I, I like how Ovechkin has put his 
differences aside with whatever he was pissing and moaning about. And I don't know, man. you you got to watch this team. I'm, I, I like the Rangers. I, I don't know if it's if it's too soon to tell whether or not that Gabbard trade was a, a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, they played well. They have the best goaltender in the league on their team. So we're going to see here shortly whether or not the the trade actually made a difference. Obviously, before the trade, things were a little bit rocky. They've been playing quite well since then. Yeah. Well, so, uh, put this into perspective, uh, will you? Uh, since Ovechkin has started with the Washington Capitals, his team has not been able to exit the second round. Okay, the last time was back in 1998 when they lost in the Stanley Cup final when they got swept by the Detroit Red Wings. That was the last time they've made it out of the second round. Um, let's go back, will we? Uh, back to 2009. The Capitals beat the Rangers in seven games. You were there, Mr. Schrems, in the stands, witnessing Sergei Fedorov making Capitals history. And um, let's move on a little bit further, shall we? Uh, the following year, the Caps lost in seven games to Montreal, but they met a friendly, uh, not-so-friendly foe. Well, actually, this time around, it wasn't that hard. It was 4-1. to one. They defeated the Rangers in 2011, okay? So it looked like, oh, wow, this is uh, we're going on the up-and-up. And then they got swept in the next round 4 to nothing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I remember that. I was uh, out drinking some beers after a roller hockey game. It was fantastic. Um <laughs> So, 2012, the New York Rangers said second round, no, you're not getting out of it once again, Washington. They defeated them in seven games. So, kind of a back-and-forth history, and here we are again, okay? So, 2009, 2011, 2012, and now 2013, the Washington Capitals meet the New York Rangers yet again. The upper hand right now obviously sits in the hands of the Washington Capitals. It's time for the New York Rangers to even this thing up 2-2 two to two in the last five years. So I'm going to say the Rangers pull this one off in six. My my biggest beef with Washington mm -hmm. is the division that they play in. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Next year, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, right. Things are going to change a little bit next year. But... I'm going to play devil's advocate with myself and say that the Capitals have not had nearly as difficult a schedule as the Rangers have this season. Uh-huh. Um, Stop talking to yourself. Make the right call. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Anyone can beat the Florida Panthers, we found out this season, except for the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, no, that's, that's pretty evident. And, uh... uh let me come back to that at the very end. We only have one more one. You're going to hold off. All i got to say is think about the revolving door of the goaltending in Washington and who's always been there since the beginning with this rivalry that's come up in the playoffs between the New York Rangers and the Washington Capitals. One factor has always been there, and his name is Lundquist. All right, let's move on. We'll come back to your decision on that in just a minute. We have our last matchup in the East. It's the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. This one I could not have seen coming. We have uh, an original six matchup here. Sure do. This should be a fun one, to say the least. Uh, it's been a very tight contest throughout the season between these two teams. The only uh, more than uh, the only plus one goal margin game back in early March. So one goal games pretty much throughout, but uh, still the Bro the Boston Bruins had the edge. 3-1-0 in this season, this shortened season. 
I really don't like what I see out of Boston lately. No, Boston, uh, about a month and a half ago, if you asked me, I, I'm pretty sure you did. I told yeah. you that Boston was going to win the Stanley Cup. Um, not so much anymore. Rask has come down to earth, has he not? Yeah, and and, they're uh, relying more on Kadobin, if anything. My my initial reaction is, is one that Rask has taken him out of the taken himself out of the uh, the Vesna race, and I think that one's going to Bobrovsky, which would be oh yeah uh, <laughs> awesome awesome for for Sergey. But but two, given given the what they what they went out and did at the deadline, um, I don't know. Is there something as as bringing in too much veteran talent? Are are they wasting roster spots on Wade Redden and Yarmir Yager? Did they really need those two guys? I don't think so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I thought they were doing fine at the, you know, at the pace that they had set themselves up with. I mean, uh, you had your clear defined leaders uh, up at the top there. You didn't really have to toy with that chemistry by bringing in like well-seasoned veterans like that of Yager and uh, Redden. So I just I think that uh, things are a little off-kilter right now. I mean, yes, Marchand, Krejci, and uh, Sagan are your top guys, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, but whether or not you really needed Yager in a locker room, he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot, I think, in my opinion, uh, to prove that he's anything worth that trade. I, I'm, I'm not convinced. I, I'd like to know what the next team for Yager is. Is it going to be uh, the Detroit Red Wings next year? You know, it's, it's, it's come down to that point. I don't think Boston was the right fit for him. You've got enough depth up top that when you have to change the lines a little bit to accommodate for Yarmir Yager, uh, I mean, it, it does kind of throw things a little bit off. And things have been off in Boston for a few weeks now. It's it was it was it was cute when they first did it initially. I like the idea of it. But now that I've I've seen it in action a little bit, I, I keep questioning whether or not it was necessary. Um it's especially when you bring in a player like that that's going to serve as a as it should be serving as a locker room role model. Um, and not necessarily a, a top option on your right wing. And a player that I would have rather brought in, someone who's who's on their way out and knows their role, maybe someone like Steve Sullivan. Oh, you keep on who, bringing up his name. I, I like Steve <laughs> Sullivan. He's been around. He knows what, what needs to be done. He's, uh, he's had playoff experience, and he's not going to be looking for 18 minutes a night. True. Sullivan's fine with 13, 14 minutes. It's it's that locker room presence that you want. Someone like Jason Arnon. Yeah, where's he been? With, well, he he passed his physical to play with um, oh, a couple months ago. St. Louis? He, uh, it might have been St. Louis. I know he failed the physical to start the season. Um, passed the physical not too long ago, but St. Louis didn't give him the... Um, Give them the option to come back. They, they were toying with the idea, but in, in that in that regard, Jason Arnott, if he comes back with the Bruins, certainly isn't going to be playing 17, 18 minutes a night. He's going to be yeah. playing 13 minutes, but it's that locker room that you want. The guy's got yeah. Stanley Cups left and right. He's been around for 20 years. By the way, the now. the correct action, uh, the correct answer was the New York Rangers. Believe it or not. Well, yeah. that's right. 
St. Louis was the one in which you failed. Yep. The uh, the. Um, well, they just chose. That, well, they didn't. He didn't fail it. He just chose not. To, uh, the Blues chose not to resign him. So, um, that was that. So, uh. but you know, how much do you think uh, Peter Shirelli is kicking his own ass about not getting Jerome McGinley and losing the battle with Ray Shiro, and having Pittsburgh win that sweep day, uh, sweepstakes? How much of a difference do you think it would have made to Boston if they would have landed Jerome McGinley? Let me ask you this: How well has Jerome McGinley played in a saturated market in Pittsburgh? Um. Well, you know, he he did he did come out and play uh, against Buffalo and scored the only goal for <laughs> for Pittsburgh in that game. But aside from that, I, I uh, okay, you win. <laughs> I I'm. It's it's nice to have them there. The name certainly propelled every projection from Pittsburgh being maybe the number one team in the power rankings to a definite number one team in the power rankings. Um, well, as much as I haven't, that, um, real quick though, as much as I haven't really followed him, the, or actually the Pittsburgh Penguins for that matter this year, uh, his numbers. They aren't as bad as they could be, but he's played so few games that it's it's not really it's not really clear what impact he has had on that team. So, if if you're asking if he has had an impact, it's hard to tell. So it, it's I think it's too soon because of the shortened season and when the trade deadline uh, took place this sure. year. Sure. Now now the question is, can he get hot at the right time? Knowing him, we've we haven't had the chance to see that in a while because Calgary. Uh, just can't crack the playoffs. <laughs> yep. No, it's it's it, you you can't say that Jerome again has the playoff experience they were looking for because he doesn't. And um, you know, given the last time that the Flames were successful in the playoffs, seven years ago. Yeah. Did they coming up in seven years ago. Um, it was a while ago. <laughs> did they did they just bring in a name? To bring in a name, they may have, they may have, and I, I, I think, I think we could just leave it at that. They did, because they were proving the league that they can. Yep. So the real question is here: Boston or Toronto? I mean, Toronto. We haven't really talked much about them at all. We've just no, talked about how Boston makes... has been floundering, but Toronto. That, that's what makes that's what makes Toronto such an appealing pick for the the upset, a realistic upset. In reality, it, it kind of isn't an upset. Uh, you know, I don't think it would be well, such an upset if they did beat Boston. I, I I think people have a hard time shaking that Toronto stigma that's been with them for the past eight years, and saying, you know, well, we'll put it this way: you have. Toronto coming into the season with what expectation? Just just take the ice and don't fall down. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're in competition and, and healthy competition um, with Boston in the first round of the playoffs. So what what what, what do you do with this? I I'm I'm torn. I'm gonna say that Phil Phil Kessel and uh, company will. I I think they're gonna pull this off. 
I think Toronto, for the first time in over 10 years, is uh, it, it, well, when was the last time? 2003? Yeah, I want to say it's been eight or nine years, man. No, I think it's been since 2003, my friend. Has it really? I, I, I believe so. Was was that Buffalo series the last time they were in the playoffs? No, no Buffalo wasn't even in the playoffs in two thousand three. Now there's um no they they played they played a year after um I want to say what is it New Jersey that they lost to? Uh, let me boy we're really reaching back here. Are we really boy has Toronto really been that bad? <laughs> <laughs> they they've had their their struggles to say the least. Well, I mean, coming into this season to where they are now, I think it's a huge accomplishment for that organization, it, and they needed it. There was there yeah. was all that talk a couple of years ago about putting a second team in Toronto. Yeah, the millionaires maybe, they were going to call themselves. <laughs> sure, and, and you know, and maybe maybe now that they've they've found the success that they needed, they can finally put that whole idea to rest and say, you know, we have one team in Toronto, and in the next couple of years we're going to be making a push for the playoffs year in and year out. Well, I, I, I gave um, – actually, I don't even think it was the Millionaires. I can't remember the name of the team that was proposed, but uh, it was 2003-2004. They lost to the Flyers. Um, so I was close. I was close. It was one of those teams up there in the Atlantic. So, um, yeah, it's, so it's been, it's, been, it's been a long time. It's been nine years. And um, eight years if you count the lockout. Eight and a half if you count the second lockout. Um, I think – I think – I think Phil Kessel, Nazem Kadri. I mean, Kadri. I, I I love I love what I see out of him. He's he's a great center. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk has really taken hold of his career, similar to like what we see out of Kyle Turris in Ottawa. Um, Dion Phaneuf. I I do not know a tougher captain unless Steve Ott is named captain of Buffalo. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Toronto on this one, and I'm gonna pick Toronto at seven. I'm, I'm going to jump on board with that, Toronto and seven as well. Ooh, Mr. Schrems. Now, uh, we have to go back, and um, you're saying seven, by the way? Yeah, Did yeah. I that correctly? and we'll take the Rangers in seven, too. Oh, man. All right. So, I don't know. I like, I like Holtby. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a disappointment. He's a good playoff goaltender, and that's what they need. Okay, so we have three series that uh, actually I beg your pardon two series that you and I differ on oh man we're thinking two alike here uh, that could be a dangerous thing so the only differences we have is I picked Ottawa in seven you picked Montreal in five I picked Minnesota in seven you picked Chicago in six or seven so let's, let's make sure we keep this tally going forward. oh I, I got it I got it Good. written down here and it'll be going on for years uh, to come with uh, our Good. playoff predictions so yes that'll do it for us today this has been the playoff edition of the cross ice feed shrems any final thoughts before we head into the postseason how about next week we talk about what we've seen so far and then we'll talk a little off-season free agency maybe because there's a lot of rumors already flying about where people are headed to in the off-season so might be might be fun to address and, and play with some numbers a little bit all right well we'll touch on that topic a little bit next week and we uh, we were supposed to have a special guest in with us this evening, but we will bring him in next week, uh, which will probably be more appropriate given the fact that playoffs will be well underway. So stay tuned for that. All right, everybody, this has been the Cross Ice Feed. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the playoff hockey, and as always, don't stop believing.